الحمد لله الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن سيدنا ومولانا محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم واستعينوا بالصبر والصلاة وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم إذا, فزعه إذا جزعه أمر فزع إلى الصلاة Most respected brothers, elders in Islam The most fundamental pillar in the life of a believer is his salah. Salah in the life of a believer, as per the words of Rasulullah is like the head in a person's body. So to say that the, the head of deen is, is salah, if a person has to leave out his salah, as though he is severing the head of, of his deen and his religion. What can then be left of his deen if he takes out salah from his life? Salah is the most fundamental pillar after iman. Once a person accepts Islam and he brings iman, then the first thing that we teach him is salah. We teach him how to read his salah, so that he can fulfill his obligation of salah. And salah is not a burden on us. Rather, salah is a favor. Salah is a gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we should never treat salah as a burden. Salah is such a gift and such a great thing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala called Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa right up into the heavens on the special journey of Mi'raj where Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa made Isra and Mi'raj when he traveled from Makkah Mukarramah to Baytul Maqdis and from Baytul Maqdis Nabi Sallallahu traveled right up to the seven heavens and in close proximity with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in such proximity that Jibreel alayhi salam could not even withstand that proximity, when he went past the Sidratul Muntaha, they went past the lotus tree, Jibreel alayhi salam said that if I have to step one foot past this tree, then I will be, I will be turned to ashes. In such proximity, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and then the gift of Mi'raj was given as salah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had given us 50 salah. But we know the incident, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam came down and as he was passing by Musa alayhi salam, Musa alayhi salam sent back Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam into the heavens and he said, go and ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for concession. 
So Rasulullah Wasallam went back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it 45. And as Nabi Wasallam is coming back down, Musa Wasallam says again, go back and ask for more concession. And this happened several times until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reduced it 5, 5, 5, until only 5 was left. And Musa Wasallam still said, O Rasul of Allah, go back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and ask Allah for further concession. But now Nabi Wasallam said, now I feel shy. And Allah promised that if we have to uphold and and establish these five salahs, if we read five salahs in our day, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promised us the reward of 50 salahs. So we are reading five salahs, but we are getting the reward of 50 salahs. In other words, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is so merciful Allah's favors are so unlimited. Allah wants to shower His favors upon us. And Allah is prepared to give us the reward of 50 salahs just for us reading 5 salahs. It would be a very unfortunate situation. It would be a very unfortunate circumstance if these 5 salahs are also neglected. If these 5 salahs are also thrown behind our backs, then we are the losers. There's no one who is the loser besides ourselves. That person who reads his Fajr Salawat Jamaat, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says he's in my protection. Nabi Sallallahu said, فَهُوَ فِي ذِمَّةِ اللَّهِ The person who will read his, his Fajr Salawat Jamaat, then he is in the protection of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah's bounty is so limitless. Nabi Sallallahu told us, that the person who will read his Isha Salah with Jamaat and he will read his Fajr Salah with Jamaat then he will get the reward of the entire night's Ibadat as though he spent the entire night in Ibadat because he read his Isha Salah with Jamaat and he read his Fajr Salah with Jamaat on the contrary the person who neglects his Salah that person who discards his Salah founded warnings for that Nabi Sallallahu said that person who does not read his Fajr Salah with Jamaat, he does not read his Fajr Salah, then Shaitan urinates in his ears. Mullah Ali Qari Rahimahullah says this refers to the Fajr Salah. And some Muhaddisin explain that this literally happens. The Shaitan comes and he urinates in a person's ear. Some Muhaddisin explain it literally happens. That the Shaitan comes and he urinates in a person's ear. And Nabi Sallallahu explains that the person who misses his Fajr Salah, he wakes up in the morning khabith and bad mood. He wakes up in a bad situation. His day does not go well. His day cannot go well if he misses his Fajr Salah. And that person on the contrary who woke up and read his Fajr Salah, the Nabi Sallallahu says this person wakes up fresh and he wakes up positive. You will find a lot of productivity in this day of his. Because he started his day in the pleasure of Allah. He started his day in the happiness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we make dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows us to read all our salahs. We allow us to miss one salah with jamaat. Similarly, Rasulullah sallallahu explains that the person who misses his asr salah with jamaat, فَكَأَنَّمَا وُطِرَ أَهْلُهُ وَمَالُهُ The person who misses his asr salah with jamaat, 
it is as though he has lost his entire family and all his wealth. If we just ponder over this hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, where Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is trying to explain to us as the ummah, as, as his ummah is, that if a person has to miss one salah, فَكَأَنَّمَا وُتِرَ أَهْلُهُ وَمَالُهُ Then he must, he must ponder, he must reflect, he must sit down and think upon what a great thing he has missed. How many a times it happens that we miss our salah in neglect, but does that consciousness and that reality dawn upon us? What a great thing we have missed. What a great thing we have lost. If a person's business burned down, if a person's house burned down, we can imagine the anguish and we can imagine the amount of amount of concern, worry that he goes through. But unfortunately, Akhirat is so far away from us. It's so far away from our minds that the reality and the pain from missing out one salah does not, does not affect our heart. Therefore, we need to ponder over this hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa is saying as though he lost his entire family, entire empire, he lost his family. There's not one person who is, not one relative of his who is left. He lost his mother, he lost his father, he lost all his siblings. Because he must one salah, he must one asr salah. فَكَأَنَّمَا وُتِرَ أَهْلُهُ وَمَالُهُ So firmly Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa is coming across. Therefore Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Qur'an حَافِذُوا عَلَى الصَّلَوَاتِ وَالصَّلَاتِ الْوُسْطَى That protect your salah, safeguard your salah and especially the mother salah because this is a time where a person is neglectful is busy probably rounding up his day trying to sort out things in the business or wherever he is but this is a, this is a time where a person can easily neglect his salah <coughs> So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned specifically that guard all the salahs and guard specifically the asr salah. Together with reading our salah, together with making a committed effort to read every salah, we have to make a concerted effort to come to the masjid and read all our salahs. To come to the masjid and read all our salahs is part of our fundamental obligation. It's part of the completion of the salah. In the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, a person who did not come to the masjid was regarded as an open, was regarded as an open munafiq, or he was only a kafir. That person who did not come to the masjid, even the munafiqeen would come to the masjid. Those who were hypocrites, in their hearts, kufr was lurking. They were, they were kufar, but they were only acting as believers. Even they would come to the masjid so that they are not pointed out. So that they are not spotted out. In other words, the sahaba radiallahu anhum, the atmosphere of sahaba radiallahu anhum was such that not a single person would miss his salah with jamaat in the masjid. They would all come for salah with jamaat in the ourselves. If a person was sick also, he couldn't make it. He would drag himself and he would come to the masjid. But they would make sure that they were there in the masjid and reading salah with jamaat. And the person emphasized reading salah with jamaat in the masjid so emphatically that the Prophet said that I have this desire that 
I tell the people in the masjid, start your salah. I instructed the salah with jamaat must be started and to Medina. And whoever, whichever male, balir male, is not in the masjid for the salah with jamaat, I will go and I will sit a light at home. Because this home of him of his is distracting him from his salah. His home of his is distracting him from coming for salah with jamaat. We're talking about Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa who is the most compassionate, who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself describes Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi with his own title of Bil Mu'mineen Ra'ufur Rahim. Allah is Ra'ufur Rahim, Allah is most compassionate, most merciful. Allah explains and gives Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa the title of Bil Mu'mineen Ra'ufur Rahim. Who that Nabi who is the Nabi of Shafqat, the Nabi of Rahmat, who never left a day without crying for us, who never left a day in this world without making dua for us. Allah was sitting with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam made dua for Aisha radiallahu anha. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, Allahumma fi li Aisha ma qaddamat min dambiha wa ma akharat. Allah forgive Aisha radiallahu anha. Forgive her past sins, forgive her future sins, forgive all her sins. Our mother Aisha radiallahu anha became so happy and so elated that her head fell into her lap out of happiness. When Nabi Sallallahu saw this, Nabi Sallallahu said, Oh Aisha, you're becoming so happy, what makes you so happy? So our mother Aisha radiallahu anha replied, Oh Rasul of Allah, your dua, how can I not be happy? Nabi Sallallahu mentioned something that touches our hearts as the ummatis of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that, Oh Aisha, I make this dua for my ummat after every salah. After every salah, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam remembered us. This was the Nabi we're talking about. The Nabi of Rahmat, the Nabi of Shafqat. The same Nabi who won't forget us even on the day of Qiyamah. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is the greatest of the entire creation of Allah. He is a paragon of the creation of Allah. There's no Nabi who is greater than him, there's no angel who is greater than him. If Nabi Sallallahu wanted, he could have entered Jannat. <coughs> as soon as Nabi Sallallahu passed away, Nabi Sallallahu could have went straight in his Jannat and started enjoying. I done my duty, I did ma- I done more than my duty in this world. But Nabi Sallallahu won't enter Jannat until he takes the last of his ummatis out of Jahannam and makes him enter Jannat. So that Nabi who won't forget us, who never forgot us in this world also, that Nabi who won't forget us in the Akhirat also, that Nabi is saying, I desire that I tell the Salah, I tell the Sahaba, start the Salah with Jamaat, and I will go outside and I will set alight the houses of those Balif males who are supposed to be in a masjid for Jamaat and they are not there. We can imagine the emphasis, we can imagine the emphasis and the manner that Rasulullah sallallahu is explaining the importance of Salah wa Jamaat. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the tawfiq that we realize the importance of attaching ourselves to the masjid and coming for every Salah with Jamaat and being present there with the Jamaat. This was the trait of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa and this was the trait of Sahaba radiallahu anhum and we find the same, we find the same trait in the lives of our pious predecessors. 
He said about Mulana Masihullah Khan Sahib Rahmatullahi Ali that when the azan of Zohar would go, then he would leave everything one side. And he would make his wuzu, he would go toilet, he would make his wuzu and get ready for salah. Then he would read his sunnah at home, as is the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. When Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would read his sunnah at home, and then he would come to the masjid for the salah with jamaat. When Ramasiullah Khan sallallahu alayhi became old, then it is said that he would come to the masjid still, despite being so sick. He would come to the masjid on the <coughs> with the help of two people, with the support of two people, they would, he would tell them, bring me to the masjid. And in this way also he practiced on the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa That when Nabi sallallahu was at his last moments and Nabi sallallahu was passing away, then Nabi sallallahu the sahaba radiallahu anhu explained, that Nabi Sassam would come to the masjid while his legs were dragging on the, uh, on, on the ground, on the support of two people, on the support, with the support of two sahaba radiallahu anhum, they would carry Nabi Sassam, and Nabi Sassam's feet would be dragging on the ground, and Nabi Sassam would come for the salah al jamaat. The last words on the tongue of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa before Nabi Sassam is passing away, the last words that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa so to say the last advices, the last advices of the best of Allah's creation, of the greatest of Allah's creation, what would be his last words? His last words was, O my ummat, as-salah, as-salah, wa ma malakat aymanukum. Malakat aymanukum. That safeguard your salah, safeguard your salah, and be mindful about those who are working under you, those who are under you, your wife, your subordinates, your employees, whoever is under you. Be mindful and be be care, careful about that. The last advice of Rasulullah Wasallam is, guard your salah. Guard your salah. So together with reading our salah, we have to make a concerted effort to ensure that we read all our salah with jamaat in the masjid and we need to develop the salah for our children also we need to emphasize on our children also to start coming for salah that is part of the responsibility of a parent that's part of the responsibility of a guardian that he instills the value and the importance of salah within his children because we can't expect that a child grows up and he becomes big and after he becomes balif all of a sudden when some miracle the child will begin to understand the importance of salah and he will be a regular musalli and he will be there in the first half no we understand that there is a, de- a, a, a process of developing the child everyone understands that the child when he is small he needs to drink milk he can't start eating steak from the time he's small, he got no teeth. There is a process of progression, there is a process of development. Similarly, with regards to the spiritual side of a child, there is a process of development. And the guardian and the parent needs to develop the spiritual side of a person's ch- uh, the spiritual side of his child. He needs to inculcate the importance of salah within that child. Therefore, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentions that when a child is seven years old, when a child is seven years old, 
then now start instructing him and be firm upon him to start reading his salah. Warn him, shout him, make him read his salah. He's seven years old. And when he reaches ten, then by this time he needs to really start being serious about his salah. And if he does not read his salah, then Nabi Sassam said, hit him now. Now is the now is the time where it needs to get very serious. Nabi Sassam said, hit the child. <coughs> when the child becomes ten years old, then make him start reading his salah. In other words, to allow him to be negligent. Now there's no time to allow him to just slip by and remain sleeping through that fajr, fajr time. If he does not become accustomed to waking up at half past four or four o'clock in the morning in the summer months to read his Fajr Salah, then it will not happen later on by some miracle. He will have to get accustomed to it from now. He will be have to be put into the routine from now. And there will have to be some sort of pressure which will have to be put on the child to mold the child and, and, and mold him into the into the into the in, into the mold of deen, into the mold that we want the child to come into. Then only this child will become that beautiful child that we want to see. Similar, similarly with his character, that that character will have to be molded, it will have to be fashioned, it will have to be corrected on certain instances, do like this and don't do like this. Then the child will come, will, will grow up and he will have beautiful character and he will be a means of happiness to his parents, he will be a source of guidance, he will become a person who is looked up to in his, in his community. But it all starts when the child is young. It all starts when the child is young. We have to focus on our children. We have to make their tarbiyat. We have to guide them. And we find this aspect of tarbiyat, this aspect of guidance, was very prevalent in the life of <coughs> Umar bin Abdul Aziz rahimahullah. Umar bin Abdul Aziz rahimahullah was known as Umar Sani. He was known as Umar the, sec- the second in his era, in his era of rule of kingdom. They say that the, 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 the wolf would not even attack the sheep, it would not attack the goats. There was so much of justice in his time. He was such a pious person, yet he hailed from such a rich background, from such a wealthy background, from the background of kings. He came from that progeny, he came from that clan. But when we look at the background, his father was very particular about his upbringing. His father was... Abdul Aziz bin Marwan, his father sent him to Medina to study and learn under the pious people in Medina, to learn etiquette, to learn culture, to learn dini values. And one of his ustads, one of his teachers was a person by the name of Salih bin Kaysan. Salih bin Kaysan rahimahullah was one of the tutors and the mentors of Umar bin Abdul Aziz rahimahullah. Abdul Aziz bin Marwan sent a specific letter to Salih bin Kaysan rahimahullah and he writes in his letter that O Salih, pay special attention to, to the tarbiyat and to the upbringing of my child. So amongst the teachings of Salih bin Kaysan rahimahullah he, one of his teachings was that he emphasized a lot on Umar bin Abdul Aziz rahimahullah that he must be there for every salah with jamaat in the masjid. He emphasized this a lot on Umar bin Abdul Aziz rahimahullah. 
So, on one occasion, Umar bin Abdul Aziz rahimahullah being a youngster, he had, there were slaves in that time, so he had a female slave. And he was, that female slave was busy combing his hair. <coughs> and in that he became negligent and he must his salah with jamaat. So Salih bin Kaysan rahimahullah being the person responsible for Umar bin Abdul Aziz, he noticed that his, his youngster is not there. So he called him and asked him, what happened? Why were you not there for that salah or jamaat? And Umar bin Abdul Aziz explained his reasoning. He said, I was busy, I became negligent and I must it. So he sent a message to his father, Abdul Aziz bin Marwan. When his father got the message, he was shocked. And the father took it very seriously. He said this message came from his mentor, it came from Salih bin Kaysan. And my son missed a salah with jamaat. So he took it very seriously. And now the father started thinking that what should I do to rectify this child? How should I make him understand that this is not something which is light? This is not something that you can just let go by. And because your slave girl was combing your hair, is that a valid excuse? Is that a valid reason for you to miss your salah with jamaat? Today is it's this, this, this reasoning, tomorrow it can be another reasoning. Tomorrow the child can be watching football and he can say, okay, I'll leave my salah with jamaat. That's not something so important, I can't miss the game. So um, Abdul Aziz bin Marwan sent, a, sent an, an envoy. He sent a messenger with strict instructions. He sent him all the way from Egypt. He, he told this person, you go to Madinah and go to my son and you don't tell him anything. Before you tell him anything, go and shave off his entire hair. Go shave him bald. So the messenger went to Omar bin Abdul Aziz. Before he told him anything, he took that. Then he explained to him that this was your father's instructions and this was the punishment <coughs> for you missing your salah al jamaat. So when we look at the background of Omar bin Abdul Aziz rahimahullah, we find that his father was very particular about his upbringing. His father was very particular about his upbringing. And uh, they, then you find later on that Umar bin Abdul Aziz became such a renowned personality that up till now we take his name. Up till now we take his name with honor and respect. Umar bin Abdul Aziz rahimahullah. So it all boiled down to the tarbiyat and the nurturing and the guidance of his parents. When his parents guided him correctly and his father instilled the correct values within the child, then the child became who he became. Imam Naomi rahimahullah, under one hadith of, under one hadith of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, where the hadith explains that the Sahaba radiallahu anhum would, for, for the fast of Muharram, they would, they would encourage their children to fast, uh, for Ashura, they would encourage their children to fast in the 10th of Muharram. Imam Rawi rahimahullah explains that this hadith shows us the importance of tarbiyat. That the Sahaba radiallahu anhum for the fast of Ashura, what would happen is that the small children, they would encourage them to, to start fasting. And when it would come uh, further on in the day, then the children would become, would become a little hungry. So the parents would make up toys of cotton. And this is mentioned in the riwayat, in the narration, they would make toys of cotton and they would try and amuse the children and distract the children in this manner and they would encourage, they would encourage the children to continue the fast. 
One way, Rahimullah says, we understand from here that the Sahaba from small, they would nurture their children and instill the correct values. They would instill the correct values and get them used to performing Salah. They would get them used to fasting. So this is a very important lesson that we learn from this incident that where Umar bin Abdul Aziz, Rahimahullah, his father was very particular about his upbringing and he ensured that he read all his salahs with jamaat in the masjid. So we make dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us, grants us a tawfiq, that we read all our salahs, we're very particular about our salahs, and we make a concerted effort to read all, all our salahs with jamaat in the masjid. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alam.